Good morning, Howard. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us today, uh, Howard. Um, let's start right at the very top. Um, your rules, or the NDTG's rules, uh, clearly state that a candidate for a demolition supervisor, Coulson card, should have a minimum of five years' experience. How is it actually possible that an individual with just one year has slipped through the net? Exactly. The rules do clearly state it's five years' experience. Um, and whilst we have a certain amount of flexibility within the scheme, there are always people that might try and, and I don't say con the scheme, but try, try and get through as, as, as slightly easier. The NDTG delivers uh, a minimal amount nowadays directly, but we do have approved training providers, and it is their responsibility to check the CVs uh, of the operatives that are applying for these courses. That CV is uh, endorsed by the employer, so again, it's, it's, it's all really a matter of trust. The, the information that we, we as the uh, group and the trainers receive is legit. So what checks are actually in place to, to actually verify that experience? Because anyone could create a, a CV that says they've got 20 years experience, when in actual fact they've only got six months. It, it, again, it is the direct responsibility of the trainer of that particular course to check the CVs. And if there's any doubt, it, they, they actually will end up on my desk if there's any doubt of any of these uh, operatives coming through. Um, we, get, we get the odd one that comes, that lands on my desk and uh, I have to make the ultimate decision whether it's, it's a yes or no. And sometimes uh, one particular case that the guy uh, wanted to do the course, he'd been working in Australia for several years. So he, he, he'd had the experience before but he couldn't, he couldn't even get a CV. So we had, we had a long chat about it. I, I questioned, about him, questioned him about his uh, experience and we allowed that one to go through. But it's still pretty much a hands-on operation here at the NDTG, which is uh, a good thing in a way that we are small enough to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I realise that the, the employers have a responsibility here, but I, I mean, ultimately, the NDTG is the arbiter of all things training-related in demolition. Surely the, the, the buck stops with, with the NDTG here, doesn't it? It, it does, but we, we, yeah, we, we have to rely on the trainers that are delivering these courses. We can't check every single one. We're dealing with not huge numbers, but fairly large numbers of, of operatives coming through on these courses. And if you took the whole plethora, you're probably talking a couple of thousand a year. Um, nobody, no one person here could check every single CV. We've got to rely on the integrity of the trainer and, and, we do check the the, the trades. We do audit them. We check the, the records, etc. And we, we would sanction a trainer that was not complying with the rules. So we are we are as tough as we can be in a realistic manner. Yeah, I mean, my, my concern with this, and, and, and this is really why I, I picked it up as a, as a story in the first place, is the fact that we're not just talking about a, a matter of um, health and safety here. I mean, we're talking about demolition supervisors, and, and we'll come on to more later. You know, this is potentially a, a matter of, of life and death. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't buy a safety harness uh, that was labelled almost all of these will save your life. You know, if, if you're going to put the, the, the kite mark and the, the standard on a, a card, that card needs to be 100%, doesn't it? Yes, and, and the, the, I think the key point of this, though, Mark, what, what some people are missing, that the, the training we provide leaves the operative with a red card, a trained operative card. Then they have to do an MVQ within a within the time scale set. Some some of the cards it's three years, some of the cards it's five years. It just depends which the card is. That MVQ, um, I spoke to a trainer yesterday. It, it can be up to one thousand hours 
of training um, of work experience that they're checking on. So the, the, the checks and balances do come into it with the MVQ process. And it is very, very robust. But, I mean, just to, to clarify, as I say, we, we've heard lots of, of, of tales, and, and unfortunately, you know, I can't verify all of them. But we have had that one guy, um, I, I think he's spoken to you, the fact that he's got his, his supervisor's card after a year. How, how did that happen? I don't, I don't really want to uh, talk about specific cases, Mark. I don't think that's fair on, on the individual. They, they, if one individual did ring me afterwards and he was extremely concerned that he, he may have been uh, the, the, the person that people were insinuating against, uh, when I checked into his records, he was he passed the, the training course with an exemplary pass mark and he, had, had, he did have the proper endorsement from his employer. So... I couldn't find anything wrong with it, and I reassured him that you know, I would not be taking any action against it, that particular car. But whether that's the the person that's in question, I don't genuinely know. If 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 somebody wants to give me a specific name, I will check in the records, and if there's action to be taken, action will be taken. Okay, let's pause for a short break. I'm going to roll one of our, our sponsor ads, and we'll be right back after this. No worries. And welcome back. Howard, given that we find ourselves, thankfully, in the midst of a post-pandemic boom, uh, a boom in workloads, are you under increased pressure from members to get their men and women qualified? We are. Yes, definitely. There's, there's, a, there's a shortage of operatives out there. Um, doesn't seem to be too bad at the supervisor and managers level. You know, thankfully, most companies have invested uh, at that sort of level of qualification. It's... Uh, Men at the workplace or operatives at the workplace, let's, let's be non-sexist if we can. Um, green card level, DRO card level, etc. They are seems to be they seem to be the ones that are really in short supply. Um, and I think we, we all know that a lot of companies are using agency labour today. A lot of the agency labour was uh, immigrant labour, which have, they seem to have just disappeared. They must have must have all um, gone home after the uh, the Brexit clampdown. I think. Can you confirm uh, that you have never knowingly issued a card to an operative purely on the say-so of an NFDC member company? Me, absolutely, one hundred percent. I would, I would not do that. I, I, you know, I've got extremely strong integrity, and I, you know, we we have even taken very serious action against one particular trainer who was not complying with the rules. But again, I, I'm not not a liberty to name anybody, and I don't think that would be correct, but. We do have very strong standards. I firmly believe in those. Um, as you all know, I've been in this industry an awful long time, and I do think that the proper training is essential. Um, hence, the reason I've always supported 100% the CCDO scheme. We all know the risks involved with demolition um, and that everyone looks out for everyone else. What assurances can you offer to the industry as a whole, that there are not dozens of demolition supervisors out there that don't actually possess the requisite experience? It's, it's, it's difficult to, to say, Mark, but I, I cannot possibly in my life see there's dozens. There could be one or two that have, have possibly slipped through the net. I think that's, that's a possibility in any situation. 
But as I say, it, the, the NVQ process where they have to qualify the card is a, is a second um, safety measure, if you like. The, the, the NVQ assessor has to go to site a minimum of three, normally four, sometimes even five times at supervisor level. And supervisor level is a level four NVQ. So it's not an easy process to get through. They have to be competent at their job to, to get that qualification. And an awful lot of employers, the, the bigger employers, the, um, the tier ones, are starting to, to stop the, the red cards going on. So they, they are demanding that the operative is qualified through the MVQ process, not only in the CCDO scheme, but in the CPS plant scheme as well. There, there's huge numbers there where I'm getting, I get complaints all the time, as I'm sure you can imagine, but uh, members are saying that they've been stopped working, they've, they've got a red card, they feel it's sufficient. But it is the the uh, the main contractor's ultimate decision whether they want a red card or the blue or appropriate colour that the card should be from the BQ. So absolutely right. I'm going to take a very quick a slurp of a drink. So let's roll another sponsor ad, and I'll be right back after this. Axsoft and Svantec are your high-end partners for noise, vibration, dust, and air quality systems, sensors, and software. To find out more, visit axoft.co.uk or call 01234 639 Welcome back. Um, Howard, how do you respond to accusations, and these aren't mine, but there are accusations, that training providers are putting cash before competence? I, I would, I've offered to look at any one of them directly. Um, and I say we have sanctioned one particular training provider that was, I can't say taking cash for, for cars, I don't think that was the case, but they, they weren't complying with our rules. Um, cash for cards, I don't genuinely think that happens within the demolition training sector. I have heard it in other sectors, and we, we get notifications all the time from CITB where training centres have been suspended, especially for the, um, the touchscreen section. If that happens, we have to recall some of our cars, because if, if a... If an operative has taken the touchscreen test at a, 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 a centre that's not compliant, we are then required to take additional action. So we are governed by the CITV, and they, they come in here quite regularly and audit the processes that we've got in place. Another criticism that I, I seem to hear quite a lot is that classroom-based training is no substitute for on-site training. What do you think on that? Mark, I would love to do all training site-based, but the, the, the sites just don't allow, you know, the main contractors won't allow um, trainees on site even. We, we, we've gone to the situation now where we've had to introduce an apprentice card because the apprentice scheme is, is very prevalent in the industry now. The, the uh, main contractors don't particularly want the training carried out on site. So we've had to, we've had to um, go to classroom-based training, uh, our hot works course still has an element of practical work, which we do out in the in the yard area. But it would be much nicer to carry out the training on site. It's just it, it just doesn't meet the modern the modern way of working. I'm afraid. It seems crazy that, that as you say, the tier ones and other contractors are asking for on site experience and, and on site training, but they won't actually allow it to take place on their own sites, will they? It's totally ironic, Mark. It really is. You know, we 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 try. Our, I think our industry is, is probably one of the best for training. I, I don't want to slag any other system off, but the, the current CSCS system, if you do an SMSTS course, 
and they've got an employer's endorsement, you can get a you can get a manager's card just like that. It's just there's no training, there's no proper training course that's industry specific. All of our training is industry specific. Uh, we get criticised for the cost of the courses, but the supervisor and manager courses are tailored to to mirror the SMSTS and the triple STS one. We we deliver those courses, but then the main contractor is still insisting that they carry out the, the bloody triple STS or the SMSTS on top of it. So it's it's a double whammy for employers when we know, Build UK know, and it's endorsed by Build UK, that our system is compliant. <clears throat> we've, we've had a couple of comments in there, no, no questions as yet, so um, I'll keep rolling with my questions for the time being. Yeah, they, 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 the comments, are, they're coming up too quick to read, but I'm not that quick anymore. Okay, well, you, you've just had a, a couple that are, are just literally good morning, Howard, so yeah. <laughs> you're not missing a huge amount. Um, going back to the demolition supervisor card, setting aside all the potential health and safety implications, hmm. if someone with such limited experience managed to get through the qualification, is that qualification just not too easy? I don't think the qualification, as I say, the the, um, the one that I looked into where the guy was 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 concerned, I checked the course, I checked all the, the, the trainer records. The trainer that trained him actually is one of our better trainers, one of our best trainers. And the, the, mark, the pass mark on the paper was uh, 83%, which is very, very good. So... I do believe that our training is very thorough. Um, when we do training here in Hemel, I quite often uh, pop into the course just to say hello to the guys. It's, it's a good opportunity for me to get feedback on, on how the industry is from, from their perspective. Uh, I still do the occasional uh, Federation audit on site, again, talking to managers, etc. So I do, I am very much in touch with what's going on. And I do firmly believe that our courses are robust and thorough enough to ensure that somebody can um, deliver supervisory their supervisory skills correctly uh, you can't be, I know you can't beat experience and, you know, we, 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 we can all um, uh, sympathize with that but experience is not everything you can have years and years of experience of doing something wrong the, the training is essential to make sure that we, we teach people the correct way and the legal way that certain things should be carried out. But the flip side of that, I guess, is the fact that you've you, you've potentially got people on site with five, 10, 15 years experience being told what to do by somebody with considerably less, but they've got a piece of plastic that allows them to do so. That, that again, Mark, is, is something I've often criticised. With, with the, 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 the current CSCS system, we've, we've all had it as, as, you know, I haven't been contracting now for like 18 years I've been, since I've been with the Fed, but... Back in those days, you, you, you'd get somebody, uh, an, an SMSTS black-carded manager come on site, absolutely no experience at all of demolition, saying to my supervisors at the time, you're doing that wrong. The, 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 that's why I'm so passionate about having our industry card that clearly demonstrates those people have had the proper training, the, the experience, it, and I, know, I appreciate it's under question today, and we will be a little bit more thorough for a while and double check all of these, but experience is not the be all and end all. You need training, you need the skills, you need the experience. It's a combination of everything to make a, a very good supervisor or manager level uh, uh, person. Uh, I was just about to take a break, but I think that question is worth worth addressing. Um, are all trainers carrying out demolition courses from the demolition industry? One hundred percent. Yes, all of our all of our trainers 
have to be approved trainers. They have to have some demolition uh, experience. They all have to have a, uh, a trainer's card. We, we check their CVs. We check their, uh, we check their work experience. The, the, you have know, got certain company training providers. If they've got a trainer within that company, we will check that out uh, thoroughly. We take the training providers endorsement as well. We've got to take their, 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 um, their recommendations into consideration when we're, when we're looking at these specific trainers. Um, sadly, it's getting harder and harder to get people into the training industry. They don't, they just don't want to do it. It's, you know, we, we all know Roy Brown. I love Roy Brown, but he's, he's been telling me he's going to be retiring many more years than I have been talking about retirement. So, and he will be sadly lost when he does retire, but getting new people in is extremely difficult. And, you know, if there's anybody listening out there that wants to take up their career and, and further into training, please drop me a line. I, you know, bite your hand off almost. I can't believe you're using this show as an advert, but well done. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a very quick break uh, and we'll be right back after this. The Miller GT Series heralds a new era of unrivaled power and cutting-edge intelligent coupler technology, increasing job site safety, machine versatility and productivity. It's the added versatility that you need at the value you can afford. To find out more, visit millergroundbreaking.com. I realise I'm in danger of repeating myself here, but uh, although the focus of this uh, conversation has been basically on the supervisor card so far, um, we have seen claims that there are individuals holding a black CCDO manager's card, the most senior card available under the CCDO scheme, with less than five years' experience. Um, same question again, and to put it bluntly, how has that been allowed to happen? It shouldn't have happened. If uh, again, I, I, it is a bit repetitive. If, if there is a specific case, I will look into it. But the the manager's course is is again extremely thorough, and um, I failed to see how anybody could could have got through without any necessary experience. We um, ideally we'd like to see them progress through the industry, through the card schemes, but we still do allow direct entry with five years experience because there's 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 still lots of people out there. I've been doing supervisory or management uh, work in the industry. They've never got a card for one reason or another. Um, sadly, a lot of those are the self-employed sector who just it, they find the cost a bit prohibitive, and they haven't got the uh, the, the the they can't uh, access the CITB funding, which is available to um, the companies. Um. Questions just coming there. I think that's coming in from uh, LinkedIn. Um, CSC, I, I realise you're, you're not a spokesperson for CSCS, but CSCS are no more than a mass registration. Why aren't they more, more robustly challenged when there are policies uh, that are, are so out of tune? Care to comment on that one? Uh, I think the comment is that that's one of the specific reasons why we developed the CCDO scheme. You know, CCDO is a what's called a partner card under CSCS. So we have to meet um, all of CSCS and the CLC, the Construction Learning Council requirements to deliver a card. But we are in control of the, the course that we deliver. Every course that we deliver has to also be checked by CITV. We're not just allowed to say we're going to do X, Y or Z. We have to um, submit that to CITV for checking. So we have got, we've got a very robust system of checking what we're doing. Um, I don't want to be too negative about CSCS, but I don't, I don't feel that they've got the same, they certainly haven't got the same checks and balances that we've got at our supervisor and manager level card scheme. 
uh, and really nothing at all at the lower level. They, they've got the, um, the green operative level and that's about it. You don't, you don't get any um, occupational specific cards that we have in the demolition sector. Um, the scaffolding sector's got very similar, drilling and sawing have got similar. So it's the, 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 the partner card schemes, I personally feel are far more uh, robust and fit for purpose than the, the general, very generic CSES schemes. It's funny we should come to that because uh, my next question that I've got noted down here is when we did our survey into uh, demolition supervisors, you, you responded on Facebook, and I won't quote you exactly, but it was something along the lines of, instead of criticising the CCDO scheme, why not look at CSCS? No pre-entry criteria, triple STS course, and, and so on down the line. I think you've already made your point clear there, but I, am I right in thinking that you believe the CCDO scheme is superior or at least more appropriate to the demolition industry? I firmly believe, Mark, it's, it's superior by a long way. We, we, we were one of the first card schemes to, to go smart. We, we endorsed smart technology. Cost the, the, uh, the training group an awful lot of money to get that technology in place. But that, that was essential. Yeah, CSCS are only just catching up. CPCS have only just started to catch up with us. Um, we are actually on the last band of cards, which are the, the non-smart cards. The old, everybody in the industry calls dumb cards. By this time next year, they will all have expired and, and everybody in the industry who has got a CCDO card will have, by renewal process, the, the new smart cards, which will be read by the, you know, they're readable on the apps. I actively encourage everybody to, um, to, to add training sections to their cards. Once you do a training course through the NDTG, it is put on electronically onto the card. We don't put all of the, the um, information on the back of the card. We, we want people to use the tech and use the, the uh, there's, there's the GoSmart app. There's, there's a new system coming in uh, next year from CSCS, a universal card reader. So there's no excuse anymore that nobody can see what somebody, what training somebody's done. We're also in negotiation with um, a reference point, the, the, the card uh, supplier to get a, a facility to add CPD points because uh, at manager's level and supervisor's level, I believe it's essential that they continue their training through CPDAs, through, through short-term courses, etc. So we're looking at a facility to add that into our card schedule. I genuinely 100% feel that we are progressive with the right card, the right card for, this, for the industry, and I really don't want to hear other people using uh, inferior cards on a demolition contract. And I think you, you know... It was me personally that was instrumental in bringing in the requirement that uh, every card under the CCO scheme has to have asbestos awareness. I, I just personally felt that was so essential in our industry. We made it, and the board backed me, it's mandatory in every single one of our cards that you have to have asbestos awareness training. Uh, we've had a, a question in there from uh, somebody on LinkedIn. I can't see their name, actually. Um, if the course is as robust as described with NVQ, et cetera, what is the requirement for a touchscreen test? I'm not even sure what that means, to be honest. The touchscreen test is, is the health, safety, and the environment test. That, that, we, we can't get away from that. You know, it, to, to be really honest with everybody, I don't feel we need it. But the, it is the, the, partner, the CSES partner card scheme rules demand that everybody has to do a uh, what is commonly known as a touchscreen test or the health, safety and the environment test. Uh, we have got no 
we've actually got no say in that whatsoever. Um, obviously, can't ask you to comment on, on individual cases, but we've had one there, uh, William Cameron. Uh, done my D92 years ago through the NFDC, still not on my card, as they never paid for it. I will leave you to, to, to worry about that afterwards. Mark, I could answer. This is another thing that's very, very confusing. The CCDO card scheme means Certificate of Competence for Demolition Operatives. It is demolition site operatives. You know, I don't like to say manual worker, but the guy's actually working on site. CPCS is nothing to do with us. We don't manage that or run it. They deliver... The plant sector cards, the DCAP, you know, as, as that guy said there, the D90 is a CPCS card scheme. We may well have initiated the course for this, for that particular person. Um, and there's got to be something missing. You know, again, if, you, if he wants to email me directly, I, I will willingly look into it for him. But um, we are on the management committee of CPCS, but we don't have direct control of that. Fair enough. Now, there's been a lot of discussion about the cost of a CCDO card. Um, many suggest it's too expensive, although I think most people think everything's too expensive, um, but particularly for self-employed uh, workers to afford. But there's also been a suggestion that the cost of the CCDO card is putting off demolition contractors, and they're now subbing out work to companies and individuals who, guess what, are holding CSCS cards. Has the CCDO card scheme priced itself out of the market? It's something I constantly look at, Mark, because it, 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 is a, it is a question that comes up almost at every regional meeting now, the cost of, you know, everybody's looking at costs. Now, you heard me moaning earlier about the, the cost of the fuel when during the fuel crisis. I, I, I really did have a whinge about that. But uh, the self-employed, I've, I've personally raised this several times with CITB. They have got no um, system within their current grant process to allow for self-employed people to, to get the grant back, which is really, really disappointing. They are, they have got a group called the um, Card Paratry, Card, or something, something, the Paratry system, where they want all, all card training to be on an equal basis and equally funded. Now that's, that could take, through the CITV, that could easily take a year to get in place. But I've got to say, you know, NFDC members, you know, two years running, we gave them a thousand pound voucher to encourage training. Um, I will be meeting with the president uh, in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, it's, it's our 80th tomorrow, but we, I don't think we want to talk about car schemes there. Um, much as I might like to, I don't think the president will want to. But we will we will be looking at costs. I've spoken to the trainers. The trainers out there, the, the, the individual training providers, say that their cost parameter is the numbers. You can't get the numbers in the scheme. We, we have a limit of... 10 operatives per, per uh, session in the classroom. That is allowed to stretch to an absolute maximum of 12 in exceptional circumstances. But most trainers, they're, they're training six to eight guys at a time at the moment. The, the industry missed a, an opportunity during the COVID to get men trained. That's when we should have been doing it, when work was quiet, when everybody was had the time. Now all I get is, oh, we haven't got time for training, we're too busy, and etc. And it's, it needs a resolving. We have offered to um, uh, bring in line some Saturday courses. I spoke to a company and I said, look, if you get uh, an, enough men on site, probably a minimum of six, we'll come to site on a Saturday morning and train you guys and get them, get them certificated. 
we're doing as much as we possibly can to encourage industry to catch up on this skill shortage. Right, we're going to take our final break and then we'll be back with the final round of questions right after this. We've received several questions via email because obviously people knew you were coming on the show. Um, so there, there's a question up on the screen, Mark. Would you mind if I just answer that one? Yeah, please feel free. Yeah, um, Ian and I was, was the uh, training officer for the NDTG. We actually had a meeting with the health and safety uh, two weeks ago now. We had 21 senior inspectors on online for a full day session explaining to them how the car scheme works, the values of the car scheme. Um, and I think they will be going away and checking a few of these sites to make sure that the demolition industry, not just Federation member, the industry in general, are using the correct car for the job. And it's something we've been promoting for, the, for a long, long while now, um, marketing campaign, the right car for the right for the job. So look out, guys. I think the, CC, the, uh, the, the HSE inspectors, we've, we've only told them what's been public for a long while, but um, they are now fully aware of the, the CCDO card scheme. I'm going to come back to that one in just a second, actually, because yeah, that, that ties to, to one of the other questions we've got. But um, one of the, the ones that we've had in from e uh, on e email, um, given the NDTG's obvious ties with the NFDC in that they share an office, <laughs> fairly public knowledge, uh, I guess, uh, and the fact that the NDTG is not therefore independent, how does it have exclusive rights to issuing demolition cards? And is that right? It's a good question. The, the NDTG is an independent company. The, uh, I don't suppose, I, in all honesty, Mark, nobody else wants it. You know, it, it, it's not a money maker, it's not a cash cow or anything. It's, it's bloody hard work. We, we've got a team of four now, um, some of them are part time because uh, work, work um, the training, as I say, diminished during the, the COVID period. Um, and it does need an awful lot of work into it. The, the, we get minimal grant from the CICB. The, the training providers, we have to make sure that they're, they're happy. Uh, Ian often has um, training sessions where the, the, the training providers get together and uh, normally have a bit of a moan and a, a, a whinge about something. But it, it's, it's all constructive. We have to turn these things around. Um, I don't think there's many sectors out there. You know, it, it's... To me, it's the right. We are the right people to manage it, even with the time with the NFTC, because we are. That gives me and the board the opportunity to, to give the feedback directly from industry to what the training scheme should be and what they're covering. We, we've just um, recently released the, the new exclusion zone document. Now that's got to be dovetailed into the training courses that we're providing. And I checked yesterday. One of the uh, one of the question packs is not quite right now, so we're going to be looking at that. In the next day or so, without that, without that industry tie-up, I don't think a car, a car scheme would work. But it's also been suggested that profits, I guess, from the NDTG are donated in one way or another to the NFDC. C can you confirm that that's the case? And does that not mean that the NDTG members are effectively helping to fund a trade association that, for one reason or another, they're they're unable to join? 
No, all, all profits from the NDTG go go back into the NDTG. You know, the, the, the accounts of a company's house, anybody can go and look at those. They're, they're quite, uh, they're very public, as, as they should be. Um, the, NDT, the, the NFDC does make a charge to the NDTG for use of the office. You know, we've got an office space here. Every, every charge that's made is, is legitimate and, and fully accountable. So it's certainly not creaming off any profits from that industry, from that sector, from that side, sorry. But what about things like sort of sponsoring uh, NFDC events and that kind of thing? Is, is is there any of that? There is some. It's. It, uh, the, the, I think there's. I think there's advantages to it. The, uh, the NDTG um, put some money into certain events that we do, um, but they are there. They they they, um, they have a stand. They will have uh, uh, displays, etc. They they always attend with me when we do the IDE events. They they come onto the uh, the IDE stands. Uh, and take advantage of the, the Federation's relationship with the IDE. So every, every company has to do a certain amount of marketing and the, the, the limited amount of sponsorship that they do put across, I think is fully justified. But you, I think you can understand people's concern. You know, there, there are companies out there, you know, very good, very well qualified, very experienced demolition companies that aren't allowed to, to join the NFDC for one reason or another. And yet they are, at least partly funding NFDC events. That that doesn't sit well, does it? Um, they, 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 if they're not members of the NFDC, I, I can see that that, that concern. But they are. I think what you're referring to is, is members. Companies that are members of the NDTG, um, and I think if we were really honest with them, most of them join the NDTG because they get a discounted rate for the training. I don't. I don't know as if they are unduly concerned. If if they are. Um, I'm prepared to look at it, and I, I, I can take it back to the board. But I don't. I, I really, genuinely don't feel that we're going too far with the amount of sponsorship that the NDTG puts across to the NFDC functions. Uh, had a question in here from uh, Nigel Williams. Uh, good morning, Nigel. Uh, any thoughts on previous idea? I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, Nigel came up with this idea that he put on his podcast about a year ago, this idea of uh, employees actually earning credit. So, uh, you know, as they progress through the, uh, the, the the various card schemes, they gradually earn a credit to make it more affordable as they, as they progress. Is that something you'd be willing to explore? I'd be willing to explore it. I don't, I didn't see it before. So it's, it's, it's a new one. I mean, that's a, that's a bit of a, um, the, the, the problem I've got, Mark, the, the, the NVQ system is probably the most expensive part of the card scheme. The NVQs are, again, uh, managed completely independently. The, the NDTG has input, but we don't have direct input and we don't have control over the NVQ process. Um, up to a recent session that CITV held with, with a, a group of employers from, from the uh, industry, and it was, it was quite a, uh, it, they had a, a remit where it had to be uh, employers from all, all areas of the UK. They have changed the, the NVQ um, parameters a little bit, the, 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 the units within the NVQ. Sadly, they don't all flow on anymore. You know, we, when we first were involved directly, we ensured that the, the units you got at, um, say, top man level were transferable to supervisor level. In their infinite wisdom, they have made them completely separate MVQ. So that is a, I don't think it's quite such a good move from uh, CITB. There's little, I can, there's little I can directly do about that one. 
Okay, we've had a couple of questions in from Mick Norton. The first is, how does Howard feel about the CPCS D90 car for novices, experienced candidates, knowing that the CPCS scheme does not have any quality assured training for their wide range of industry equipment? And another breath, uh, CPCS deregulated formula training in 2008. Your thoughts on that? Uh, again, see, I don't want to hide behind it. CPCS are, are, are not directly involved with it. I am on the board, uh, on the management committee of CPCS. Um, those of you that know the industry, they know they have got a very strong chairman who's got some very strong views. I've quite often complained about training within the CPCS scheme uh, and the uh, piling association are very much the same. The pilots have introduced a new training system using the simulator process for a level one qualification. Don't think they've actually got it off the ground yet with because um, NOCN now own CPCS. I don't think it's actually got off the ground, but uh, it's something we're really interested because as, as a lot of you will know, we invested an awful lot of money in the plant simulator. We were, di we were, directly rejected by CPCS as that as a, as a training tool. They would not allow it at all. So despite the investment that we made in, in a tool that could have been used to train operatives up off-site, give them some basic skills, uh, that the whole plan was to get them to do basic skills on the simulator and then do mentor training on-site on a segregated area, completely thrown out of the water. And it's, it's, it's disappointing. You know, the end... The NDTG CCDO scheme is about training and it is about gaining further skills to build up through the NBQ process. Um, sadly, CPCS is all about assessment. <clears throat> that seems absolutely ludicrous not to accept the uh, the plant simulator, given the fact that when you look at the plant hire industry, you know the, the likes of Flannery and Lynch and people like yeah. that, they, they are using that, and Plant Force as well, they're using that extensively. Well, well, Flannery worked the CN Awards last night, um, sorry, uh, yesterday, and but they got... Uh, uh, and of all four, their training regime. You know, they, they are really pushing the, the simulator, but it is not not recognised by CPCS. It's, it, we we pushed it as much as we can here, uh, but without the recognition, it's it's got very poor take up, unfortunately. We've had another question there, another one from Mick, actually. Uh, are the NFDC likely to support the CITB's latest survey on plant operator standards and the most important parity of grant for third-party organisations such as the NFDC? Absolutely, 100% on behind that. I believe that the grant should be the same for any tra any training and assessment uh, you know, across the plant sector and even across ours. You know, we, we were talking earlier about the... The, the grant that's available, the, the, the CPCS currently um, have, have quite a high grant value uh, paid back. When you compare that to what we get for, uh, um, uh, say, a top man assessment, it's negligible. And I think that all training schemes should be given the same, the same rates, the same, we're all paying the same fee into the CITB. And it's time that there was parity across the industry. So I completely, 100% agree with that. Um Another one here from uh, Michael Saunders. Some of us at my age still work. Do you think there should be an MVQ at his age? I'm not sure what his age is, but he has no intentions of retiring, so my guess is he's already past retirement age. Should there be a like a top-up MVQ, do you think? Uh, should I have to do that? I don't know whether he's asking whether you have to... You have to do an MVQ. The, the, the grandfather rights, as it was commonly known, to get the card was withdrawn some time ago now, and you cannot get a full card without completing an MVQ. 
once you've done an MPQ, you don't have to top it up. It's, it's, it's there for life, so it's, it's a one-off. Um, as, as I mentioned earlier, I, I would like to see CPD's points added to the, to the card. So rather than having to do an MVQ, you can, you can uh, show your further education as such by CPD. And, and even the same, you know, attending some of your seminars could be quite, you know, some are very educational, they could be CPD awarded. Um, I'm not sure if that quite answers my my. Yeah, you know, I'm happy to take it further if he wants to. But <clears throat> what I can tell you is he's seventy. <laughs> I, 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 we did manage to. Found, uh, it's about time he put his he's hung his boots up anyway. I, I, I guess I guess it's one of those things. Demolition gets in your blood, doesn't it? It's, uh, it does. It's hard yeah. to walk away. I'll, I'll be sixty six this year, and then the borders finally allow me to go to to a four day week next year. But uh, I'm just slightly concerned that will end up as a. Five days in four. I'm already doing six in five. So. <laughs> um, now, I've, I've got a question, and I did see uh, William Crooks was actually in the chat earlier. Uh, I'm not sure if he's still here. Uh, but going back to this disparity between CCDO and CSCS, um, the president's own company was involved in a partial building collapse fairly recently down in Wales. Uh, and it transpired, and it, you know, it was very forthright about it, the fact that they were using a subcontracted team that were predominantly CSCS qualified my first question i guess is why was that the case and, and i guess that's probably a question more for, for william to answer himself but my second is this this was obviously a site that was unlikely to be audited under the nfdc's audit scheme so does it not devalue or possibly even render meaningless the site audit scheme if nfdc members are doing one thing on sites that will be audited and quite another on on sites that won't be audited it's a good point, and we we the, the NFDC audit. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware. It has been split into two sections now. We we allow members to do the the SSIP, which is the the health and safety, the paperwork side of it, is all done online now. Same as exactly the same as every other um, system that the of accreditation of CHAS, etc. But we still do the site audit. We'd love to make it unannounced. What what we what we've found that, that that is almost impossible because we just don't know where the sites are and you, you know we can't send out an auditor. You know I, I've actually agreed to do one in Portsmouth on Monday. You couldn't send an auditor to Portsmouth just on the off chance that there might be a contractor working down there. So the contract the, the demolition contractors have to tell us, and they are required to give us a two week window of opportunity to go and visit that site unannounced. So. We do as much as we possibly can, and the, all of our auditors are required as part of the audit process to check all of the cards on site. They are, they have to use the GoSmart app. Um, I, I say I'll be going Monday. I will have to use the GoSmart app. I'm not, I'm not the best on tech, but I've, I managed to make that one work. And we, we are checking as thoroughly and as, as best we can. And I've got to look at the other side of the industry. What other industry actually does that? There's, there's no other trade association other than ARCA, and that's, that's only because it's a requirement, really, of the asbestos regulations that are auditing their members' sites. But there's that famous story that the, the, uh, the Queen, God bless her, um, believes that everywhere smells of paint. <laughs> because before anyone, before she gets anywhere, somebody's been out and given a lick of paint. As a journalist, you know, I, I get invited to demolition sites on a fairly regular basis. I don't see bad ones. There's a, there's a very good reason for that. I only get invited to the good ones. And, and unfortunately, I, I guess that's exactly the same with the audit, isn't it? it, it in all fairness, it, it is, Mark. Yeah, yeah. 
they know we're coming. They know they've got a two-week window of opportunity. Um, and that they may be a certain amount of window dressing. But I'm, every site that I've personally checked, and I, I've looked at some from the very, you know, the, I won't say the bot men, but the, 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 the members of the federation with the minimal turnover up to the, to the real to like tier ones almost of the, of the federation members. And I haven't really seen anything that's been alarming. There's, there's always room for improvement. I still personally check every single audit that the auditors do. They have to come across my desk and I have to look at those and each one. If I see anything within the audit that the auditors, the auditor puts comments, he takes photographs, etc., or he, he or she takes photographs, and I check all of those myself. If there's any doubt, I would, uh, I've got three options. I can, I can pass somebody, which is called compliant. I can put somebody on hold, which means they've got a, a minor discretion, or I can um, fail it. I don't like to fail members, but I have done in the past because there's been serious breaches. If there's an on, if there's a, an on hold section, that may be a, a simple matter of, of something's out of date or something, and, and quite often on site, they don't always have the, the most up-to-date certification. So I'll follow that up. It may be a that may be a letter, it may be an email, it may even be a, a phone call for me directly to the to the governor saying, "Oh, what's going on?" So it's it's I do believe it is a robust system, and again, it is fit for purpose as best we can possibly manage in this in what is a difficult thing to do. We've just had a, a we've had a couple of comments. I'll, I'll leave the other one to the, to the end. But uh, McNaughton again, if CPCS refused the NFTC the opportunity to use a very expensive simulator, nothing short of disgraceful. Uh, Mr. Gamble, the chair uh, and his committee are completely out of touch and doing the demolition sector a great disservice. I won't ask you to comment on whether they're doing the demolition so uh, industry a great disservice, but I think that's. That is the belief. I mean, you you look at places like Western College now. You know, it's basically built around plant simulators, because that is very much indicative of the way the industry is now. It was extremely disappointing for us, Mark. You know, it, 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 we developed the programme and we bought the, the, the simulator alone was like 40-odd pounds, and the, the software programme is bespoke demolition. So I, I won't give you the figure, but I'm sure you can imagine how much that cost. It was not a cheap, a cheap package at all. Um, we genuinely thought that it was the right thing for industry. Um, I know you know Richard Dolan very well. He, he actually bought... Our old one when we when we upgraded the the simulator, and he's using it to train his men directly on uh, uh, prior to putting them on site. But he can't get a qualification for it. There should be some sort of acceptance that somebody has done minimal. I know it's minimal training, but at least they have done some foundation training before they're put on site. And they've got a, you 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 can if you watch somebody using the simulator, you can bloody quickly see whether they've got any acumen for driving a machine or not. But just through the way that they, they use the controls, um, everybody new to it jumps on and it, it's, it's like jumping in the car for the first time. You let the clutch up and you stall it the first time. Um, but there are some guys, some guys and girls who really pick that up very, very quickly. And they are the ones that you want to be pushing through the industry. But we just can't, I'm afraid. I think your, your your approach to that is absolutely right because I, I remember somebody saying to me when I, I first saw the uh, the NFTC's original simulator uh, that his concern was 
it's it's like a it's like a game, you know. And uh, you know, if if you do something wrong, it's game over. Press refresh and start yeah. again. Whereas out on site, you know, you don't get that opportunity. But as you say, you know, from a training point of view, it does give somebody an opportunity to look over their shoulder and think they've got it all. They quite clearly haven't. You know, e- even if there's like an interim qualification on the way to a proper qualification, that just seems to make perfect sense to me. That's right. Yeah, um, we, we would fully accept that it's it's not a ticket to go and work on site and a free-for-all. It, it, it is a foundation. It would be a foundation course. And it should be then that that, that operator who's done the foundation course is put in a, uh, a segregated area. Yeah, they, they could be munching up concrete or, or, or breaking up concrete within a very, very secluded area and mentor. They don't need to have somebody sitting in the cab nowadays. We take, they could put, you know, we could put, the, like I said before, we could put the earbuds in and they could be talking to the, the supervisor at a very, very safe distance and not, not be at risk to anybody, possibly slight risk to themselves. But once they've done that foundation training, they would be aware of all of the risks for the machine. So I firmly... Absolutely, 100% believe that foundation training on a simulator is the right way. Um, we can't do it for, for demolition site operatives. It just doesn't work. We've looked at virtual reality with the Hire Association. It just doesn't, doesn't quite work. I don't think we're quite there with virtual reality uh, simulation at the moment. Too many variables on, on that, I would think. But I, I, I think this reluctance to accept simulators is overlooking the fact that there is the ultimate safety net. And that ultimate safety net is that no demolition contractor is going to throw the keys to a million-pound high-ridge excavator that somebody that's wet behind their ears and, <laughs> and, and, and can barely tie their shoelaces. It doesn't that, make any we, sense at all, does it? Yeah, about one over, overzealous operator managed to, to turn the, on screen, turn the simulator over. And it was an absolute bloody nightmare. To, to, we had to reboot the whole system because it, it, <laughs> it, it went to default mode and protected itself. The, 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 the seat, because the, the seat is reactive on, on the simulator, was, was all at an askew-if angle. We, we, we really had an issue with that, but the, it, the, the, it was a skilled operator, and he went to the extreme limits to try and t- to turn it open, and he succeeded. So it is pretty realistic. Yeah, I must admit, I've, I've had a, a play with a few of them. Um, I've, I've been on the, the NFTC's original one, but I've also driven dozers and things like that. And and they, they are remarkably real. You know, within 30 seconds, as far as you're concerned, you're driving a proper machine. Yeah. And I, I generally think, Mark, also that the, the way the industry's growing and, and changing, I know CAT have got simulators already and these remote operators. I don't think it'll be long before you'll be working a simulator in, in a remote position but that simulator is actually controlling the real machine out on site. And it, that would add such a safety mark, especially on, on the super high region. Uh, the, the problem would be that the, the operators might take more risk with the machine as they're not in the, in the cab. You know, I think they'd be professional about it, but uh, that would be something there. You know, the, the, the Americans can fly these bloody drones from um, the States or somewhere over in, in, in God knows wherever they're fighting. But, thousands of miles away so it can be done yeah well, and I think I, I mean, would give them that little bit of feedback as well I, I've driven I've driven a, a, a cat d10 dozer that was in Arizona and I was sat in Birmingham and I'm in the Birmingham in the UK not the one not the one in Alabama so it, you know that that technology exists uh, somebody has just suggested uh, training guys in a quarry for six months I, I understand the, the the thought process behind that but and, and while you know it is remote and they're out of harm's way it would be very, very difficult to uh, to simulate real demolition 
a, a real demolition environment in that circumstance, wouldn't it? Yeah, and, uh, we, and not many demolition contractors own quarries, I'm afraid. You know, the, the NFDC and the NDTG certainly don't own a quarry. And then uh, I think we're talking about a huge, huge investment there. You know, we, we had Bertrand Newton, that, but, you know, it's thankfully it's come back online. The, the CIGB deal there fell through to sell that. But uh, the, the, the demolition section there was very, very limited, the, the, the training that they provided. Yeah, it still feels like a, a huge loss. I mean, it was a fantastic facility and, and had been for, for many, many years. Um, I, I've spent a lot of time up there and I just think it was it was such a wasted opportunity. It really was. I, I completely agree. It, 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 and people people complain about the CITV and I, I've had a little bit of a moan about them, but where would we be without them? It's, it, I think we'd be a lot worse off without the CITV. At least they, they have... Pushed fund, uh, push training through the funding support they've given. It's it's almost like a redistribution of wealth, isn't it? If the the um, sadly the bigger companies know how to work the system and they do get their maximum returns. You know, we as the the training group here, we we, we get the same uh, training officer grant as um, NDTG Scotland, but we're covering a hundred odd, hundred and twenty odd members, whereas NDTG Scotland is probably covering forty members. So th there's there's parity in, in the rate, which, we, which I'm not complaining about, but perhaps there should be uh, a, a sliding scale as well. Um, we're getting very close to the end now, Howard, uh, and I'm sure you've got much, much better things to be doing with your day. But a uh, couple of things. I, I know it says CEO on your business card, but I'm not naive enough to believe that you personally vet every competence card or <laughs> you visit every site of every member. Given all that we've said about um, training and and experience and all that kind of thing. Where does the buck stop on all this? And ultimately, you're you're at the, the very top, but you you know you have presidents and chairman and, and, and what have you below. Is a two year term of office for the head of the NDTG or the NFDC actually enough to make any changes that they see fit to make? That's that's a good question. Um... Probably not to make changes, no. But they are, they are, they don't just disappear. You know, in the NFDC, we have the, the HLVP position, honorary life vice president position. So they do remain on, on the board. So they have got uh, very strong, strong input. And I think the, the Federation, that's one of the strengths of the Federation, that the experience is passed on. Um, to become the president of the NFDC is a, a four-year pre-process. You have to be a, a second vice president, Vice President, each one of those is two years. So they are they are well versed with, with what's going on. It's not as though they're coming into it cold. Um, I think really that, that like you said, the, the buck does ultimately stop with me, but I, I, I'm grateful that I've got a board behind me to look at what's going on. And share, you, know, you need to share ideas sometimes. You know, um, it's it's a it's a it's a difficult answer, Mark. I don't think I can really give you a, a direct a direct answer to that one. I, I guess the flip side of that, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of battling my own question here to a degree. Is uh, you know, I, I've got a huge amount of respect for for some of the uh, HLVPs that you've got uh, backing you up there. But is there not a concern that that you end up with the same thought processes and the same kind of fixed mentality because you've, you know, you've, you've got people, I, I, I've not got the list of HLVPs in, in front of me, but certainly, you know, people that were president 10, 12, 14 years ago and possibly even longer ago than that, you know, they, they are still, you know, they, they still very vocal. They, they have a lot of say. 
and you know, if you're if you're drawing that experience from when you were president 14 years ago, or possibly even more, yeah. is that necessarily relevant? Do you think it, it's relevant? It, it, you know, we, we started off the discussion really with experience. You can't beat experience, and it it, it is a real a, a real blessing for me to be able to go back to some of the, the senior guys and and back things off, back ideas off. But I also endorse the the new chairman coming from. We need new blood. We need new ideas in the industry. And some of the some of the guys coming through are really really good, um, and it, you, you've got to get this balance haven't you, uh, of experience, skills, knowledge, etc. And I think I think we're about there. I don't think we're I don't think the mould is is broken. Um, there's always room for improvement with everything. Um, we've, we've got a pretty strong team at the moment. I don't know if you've heard that we're we're really uh, looking at the climate change side from the NFDC as well at the moment. That's really high on the agenda. And I might say we're ahead of the game, but we know COP26 is coming up at the end of this month. There could be some game changes for the industry, and we're trying to keep abreast of that. And I've got a very strong team looking at that as well. So we've got skills, we've got experience, we've got knowledge, and we've got some forward-thinking guys as well. So I think we've got a really good, strong mix within Fed. Uh, I was trying to work out how I was going to round this all off um, and didn't come up with much. But I'm going to leave it to uh, McNaughton. I would like to thank Howard for a very honest appraisal of the NFDC current situation and his responses to the questions posed on Mark's podcast. Refreshing to see a construction organisation live and debating safety-critical issues on training and testing. I couldn't have put that better myself. Um, uh, thank you, Mick. Very much appreciated. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Howard, you, you and I, have, we, we have history. <laughs> <laughs> good and bad we, we have history and I, I i will say you know regardless of of all of that it took it, it takes some balls to to come on to it and bear in mind not just me we're broadcasting to a live audience that could have asked you anything and the very fact that you've you've given up your time and you've come along and taken all of that on the chin and responded very very well i have to say i would say hats off but i can't because i've headphones on i have to say hats off Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I, and I'd, I'd always be welcome. If, if there's anything that you, you really think is important, don't hesitate to call me. I, 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 I don't hide behind a bushel. I've always been a very honest person. I will give you my opinion. Um, might upset some people sometimes, but I've, I've always tried to do what's welcome right for to my world. about my career. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's actually on my CV. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I do think it's it's it is it is admirable. Um, and and well, I mean, as I said to you previously on an email, you know, I, I'm doing this five days a week. The, the the cyber doors are open. If you've got something you want to shout about, even if it's at me, the door is yeah. open. Um, you feel free, feel free to join us anytime you like. All right, thank you very much. Thanks for your time today, Howard, and have a great day. Thank you. See you all. Uh, that will do us. I'm going to roll the outro, and then I'm going to go. But before I do, I'm going to say the same thing I say every single day. Stay safe. Look after yourself, your family, your friends, and your colleagues. And thanks for watching.